Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the accounting for cloud computing, and I'm joined by Gary Berkowitz. Welcome back. Hi, Ruth. It's great to be back. Thank you. You did crypto, and now you're doing cloud. It's all digital and exciting, Gary. You're going to get the brand Digital Gary. Yeah, I'm trying to roll with the cool kids. You know, I've got some young children. Need to, need to, need to, need to say what I need to say to keep them, uh, keep them thinking that their dad's pretty cool. Exactly. I'm well. You're an accountant. What could be more cool? <laughs> so <laughs> let's start at the top. Um, what is cloud computing? Right. Okay. Let me see. Let me see how badly I can I can do this. Um, so it's when you take your computers and you put them up in the sky. So yeah. <laughs> No, that is not cloud computing. So it is a fancy word for basically outsourcing um, things that you would previously have done on computers that were in your um, offices. So cloud computing, there's, without trying to get too too technical, there's, there's different types of ways of outsourcing that. So you can outsource um, effectively just your infrastructure. So you could say, I don't want all of these computers to effectively be on my premises and be responsible for them, so I'm going to outsource the infrastructure to a third-party provider. So they will maintain all your computers and servers for you, but you will still own all of the software that sits on, on that stuff or on, on the computers. Then there is um, uh, what people sometimes call uh, portal outsourcing. So you might do one further where you outsource both all of the hardware and some of the software. So just the portal, but you will still own and develop all of the applications that go on that portal. And then finally, what I think we're going to talk about today, which is um, software as a service, or what people refer to as SaaS, and that is when you effectively are outsourcing pretty much everything to a third party. Um, so I, instead of running, I don't want to give anyone free advertising, so my ERP system, whatever that may be, um, running my ERP system on an in-house system, effectively all of that sits, what I'll say, up in the cloud. So I will use my, I'll go on the internet and then I'll log in remotely to all of the applications that I am going to use to effectively run my finance function, but I do not own the infrastructure, I don't even know where the infrastructure is, and similarly I don't own the programs, Um, I didn't buy the programs, a third party vendor has set those programs up for me and they may be generic or they may have been customized specifically for my business. Okay, so that's what is cloud computing now obviously this is an IFRS podcast yeah. so we can't just talk about you know some people might love that bit but how what are the accounting challenges yeah so the nice thing is that uh, accounting challenges generally derive from business uh, decisions and that's yeah. I think why we're probably talking about this because companies have realized that you know do what you do well and if you're not uh, an IT company maybe you should get someone else to kind of run your IT function and, and apps for you Um, And so the accounting implication of that is if you think in the past, people used to buy the computers and they'd buy the software, they'd buy a license. So it was pretty easy. Credit cash, debit PPE or debit intangible asset. And I think why... The accounting has gotten I quite interesting. There you so go. So, so now all of a sudden everyone's yeah. like, oh, okay, I understand oh, yes. what he's saying now. Okay, yes. But now we have a problem because, you know, on day one, you do not buy the equipment and you might not make a giant upfront payment. You might agree to pay the vendor over time for the rights to effectively access these apps online. And I think where that gives us questions from an accounting perspective is, well, I don't have the credit to cash anymore potentially on day one. Um, and if I look at my business, what it looked like before, I used to have all these hard assets and capex on my balance sheet, um, which people understood. And what has happened to that now? Economically, I'm still doing the same thing. When the cash yeah. goes out the door, it's still the same. Um, it's paying for the same effectively good or service. But I think people are having a challenge or a question now around saying, 
Has this become an operating expense now because I'm effectively just paying for a service? And from the a service, I see it. So, it's, it's, all, it's almost in the, the name. It's all, exactly. It's almost like we're trying to explain what we were doing. So that's yeah, the marketing people getting involved. But that, I think, is the key challenge or that's the business issue that folks are having. And that before, they used to represent that this was CapEx and it's part of maintaining or growing your business. When people see this stuff as uh, OPEX, they're saying, well, that's not growing or maintaining your business. So if I look at your business when you used to buy your own stuff, versus when you're not actually paying someone else to run it for you, or people saying you aren't investing as much in your business as you did before. So obviously, yeah. people get quite um, emotional about that. Yeah, and so what are some of the guiding principles to help us decide the accounting? Yeah, so I guess then the first question in terms of guiding principles or where folks started was to say, well, I'm not economically, or I don't feel like I'm economically doing anything very different. Doesn't that mean that I can still effectively say that I debit an asset and credit now a liability for the payments that I'm going to make in the future when I pay this person over a five-year period yeah. who's going to basically manage my, my, uh, my, IT, my IT systems. Um, and I think that's where kind of the rubber has hit the road in terms of us, us accounting folks saying, wait a minute, this doesn't feel like or it may not feel like you actually have an asset, um, and in which case you need to actually just recognize this as an expense as it comes through. So credit, cash, debit, expense, don't yeah. bring an asset on, on day one. And so I think in terms of the guiding principles, it's a question of, is there an asset that I actually control on day one? And um, I think where this debate has started with some people saying, this feels a little bit like a lease potentially, because yeah. it feels like I'm making a payments for a right of use over an intangible being this, yeah. the service that I might be getting. Now, I think everyone has broadly kind of agreed that that's it's not a lease. Um, They're going to say that's crazy. <laughs> crazy accounting. <laughs> agreed that's crazy accounting. Yeah, no. So I think everyone is everyone's kind of got on board that it's that it's not a lease. Um, I won't bore you with some of the some of the reasons, but I mean, I, um, I think that the, the the more difficult question that folks are struggling with now is they're saying, but we do believe that IS thirty eight is the right standards we're using. So our awesome standard on intangible assets yeah. um, to say. Should, should one say that on day one when you sign this contract, you actually control an intangible asset, in which case you would still get to an answer that's very similar to if you would actually buy the computer equipment and the, and the software on day one. So that's the guiding principles are apply IS38 and do I believe that I have control over an identifiable asset, which okay. meets the recognition criteria. Okay, and then if you don't uh, meet the control and the intangible asset, then you're probably in a service model. Spot on. Okay. There you go. Look at you. Accounts 101, you know. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Um, so it got so exciting that in September 2018, the IFRIC discussed it. it what someone wrote in about uh, this specific issue. So could you give it anyone that hasn't read the paper? I'm sure everyone has, but just in case. Yeah, I read the paper, listened to the podcast, which I did in anticipation of this. So... Um, yeah, uh, it was actually a very interesting discussion. And I think um, the, the bottom line is that IFRIC didn't actually get to a conclusion at the September meeting. They discussed a lot of good stuff, but I don't think they were at a point where they were ready to issue an agenda decision or a draft agenda decision. But I think some of the things that they were grappling with was to say, listen, when, when you've got almost two sides of the spectrum, you've got something where clearly um, it's um, generic uh, applications um, you're making a payment that feels no different from a service. I'm paying over time for yeah. a service. I think where folks are saying on the other end of the spectrum, you basically pay someone um, or you have a contract that gives you a right to at any point in time download the software. It's customized uh, for you. You can protect uh, yourself by not allowing the, the vendor to use that software and anyone else's kind of systems. And they almost said, you know, what are the what are the 
the key aspects you need to think about on, on where you might be on that spectrum. Because on the one side, you'd say, well, you, you clearly don't control anything. This feels just like a service. Yeah. And the other, they were saying, well, if you look at the definition of control being you know, the ability to direct the asset and restrict others' uses of that asset, you may, there may come a time where you've put enough rings and bells and whistles over this service that you do actually control an intangible asset. Yeah. Um, some of the key aspects that they spoke about that p- folks might want to think about as they're going along in this is uh, can you can you download uh, a copy of the applications at at will? Some people, and I think it's fair to say that the committee wasn't unanimous on that, but I yeah. think some some committee members felt that was quite important. Whether you could actually take take control or ownership of the underlying software, because I think that was persuasive for many of them to say, well, then you do control an asset. It may not be the source code, but that version that you download, you can it's restrict yours. other access and you can control that. So I think that was important for some folks. I think others did feel that. You know, and I think what was important, where I guess personally I I was maybe educated as well, listening to what the IFRIC members were saying, just making a large upfront payment for customization does not automatically mean that you have control like of an asset. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and, and I think that personally I, I thought that was quite useful. I think they said that's an indication. The more you might pay upfront, yeah, um, and the more you've invested into this, yeah. And, and I think the, the staff were saying they were thinking about more like an IFRS 10 control assessment. The more variability or cash you've put up there, surely that would mean you've given yourself or you'd want more rights, protective and controlling. And that might indicate that there is an intangible that you control. But the mere fact that you've actually just made a huge upfront payment because you'd like them to customize the service you're going to get in the future doesn't automatically mean that you control something. So I think for me that was, that was eye-opening and something that I think our clients should think about because I think to date folks have been thinking, I've made a giant payment on day one, so surely I can capitalize at least yeah. that piece of it. Um, okay, perfect. So that's all in the IFRIC paper. Like you said, there's not a tentative agenda decision yet, so that will hopefully, by the time this podcast out, there's still not. <laughs> we're very delayed. Um, yes, so we'll watch this space in terms of what's going on at the IFRIC. Any sort of um, other aspects that you want to get across to people in our last few minutes? Um, I think maybe a couple one would be to the extent that you are engaging in kind of cloud computing arrangements from a business perspective um, I'd say make sure you chat to to folks before you decide that you're going to capitalize something because that does seem to be that that would be the exception rather than the norm yeah um, if you are making a prepayment though for services I'd say that is still just like a prepayment you can capitalize that so just before we, we everyone <laughs> starts saying the accounts have completely lost it yeah so if you make a the prepayment exactly rules is still there so if you make a prepayment for a service you can still capitalize that I would say if you're doing customization and it is material, that's the ones where you probably want to consult with someone and, and at least put that in as a judgment and be aware that whatever you do may be subject to change after the IFRIC come out with whatever decision they do. And so just be careful if you're going to do that. And the last thing I would say is, you know, if you've decided that for whatever reason you do actually have control of an intangible, but you're going to make future payments, and that was also in the paper, but I'm not sure it got as much airtime because they were still discussing whether or not it was actually intangible. <laughs> But I think just in the measurement, that can, eat, that can also get pretty tricky if you've decided that it's not just any upfront payment that you've made that's going to get capitalized, but it's the continual payments as well um, are just payments for this right or intangible that you already control on day one. Because as we know, um, that's a current other gray area where there's a yeah. giant un, you know, the unknown of variable payments linked to the acquisition of an intangible asset. So oh, that went on for years. A lot of, exactly. And it's still, still ongoing. One day, one day we will get an too answer. Broad. Too, too broad. Too broad. It'll be covered by the FICE project maybe that deals with everything. 
Um, but no, so, so that's maybe just some other things for folks to think about. And as you say, watch the space because, you know, I think we will have an answer within the next kind of six months. Yeah. Brilliant. Of when we recorded this podcast. Yes, actually. <laughs> Everyone will know it's not live. Well, I've given away all the I trade got... secrets. <laughs> yeah, this is 2014, yeah. <laughs> yeah we recorded it years ago. <laughs> well, Gary, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure to have you. Thank Come you. back again soon. Uh, thank you for tuning in, everyone. I'm your host, Ruth Pretty. Happy accounting. The preceding program was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.